Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, the networks come together to raise a lot of money. But was it good TV? Spoiler alert, no. Seven punts, some very big names, and rating shock as some shows lift, but some shows tank. And I mean really, really tank. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to the TV Black Box podcast. I'm Rob McNight and I'll introduce the panel shortly. But first, it was on this day in television history. Yes, the final telecast of Batman the TV series aired on the USABC network. It was picked up and scheduled to continue on NBC, but after it was discovered the original sets worth thousands of dollars had been destroyed, the show was eventually cancelled. All right, tonight I'm joined by Steve Malk, Aaron Ryan, Phil Kosh, David Robbo Robinson and Sarah Monaghan. And Sarah had a bit of a flashback today because we've talked a lot on this podcast about the day you and I first met, but you've got the photos to prove it. Yes, and we, we always had this discussion and I don't think anybody else had ever had the visual of um, that first meeting and I happened to be scrolling through all of my photos of my old stuff and I found those photos so I thought I would just let everyone know exactly what it looked like when we first met. You'll have to put those photos on Instagram or something like that but just a quick recap (laughs) of what happened for new listeners. Uh, So um, I had travelled to Australia and I did not believe I would be doing any television, so I packed very lightly in the bra department um, and uh, also just regular clothes. And my friend lent me a beautiful sheer shirt. Um, But when I put it on with the bras that I had, I looked very Jennifer Aniston. Um, So I asked the wardrobe to give me some pasties. Um, and they gave me these big bubble heart-shaped ones that looked even worse. Um, but my friend Matt Simpson was working there, and I'm like, Matt, look at my tits. And he's like, I will not look at your tits. And then um, I'm like, look at my tits. So he looked at them, and he's like, no, nope, yep, yeah, no. Nope. And so then uh, Rob walked in, and uh, he's like, Sarah, nice to meet you. I'm like, hi, look at my tits. Um, and I did. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> Because I needed him to see if the pasty was worse and, it like, if you could see these big love hearts where my nipple should be. Mm. 
And um, apparently it was bad because the entire episode that I was on Studio 10, every time I was on camera by myself, they put my name up over my boobies. <laughs> All right, let's move on because we need to start this episode by correcting the record. Last week we made allegations Channel 10 had used fake quotes in a promo for NCIS Sydney. Now, Mark, we know 10 has form in this area, so when you saw the promo, you went and tried to find the quotes. Talk me through what happened, sir. Uh, particularly because at least two of them were displayed as if they were Twitter quotes with the at symbol in front of the person's handle. And one of them was from a person called at Jojo, Jojo's Tweeties. Um, (laughs) Why would you think that's from Twitter? (laughs) uh, No idea, Rob. So consequently I went looking for them and couldn't, well, I couldn't find the latter. And, and one of the others, um, was a locked account that Channel 10 didn't follow, so I had no idea how they could have even possibly found a quote from that person. So we obviously talked about it last week. We had a bit of fun. Uh, but I will say 10 has supplied the sources, and I've got to accept we got it wrong on this one. But here's the problem. Now, I know 10 will say that we should have come to them, and, you know, that is journalistic. It's basic journalistic practice. But the simple fact is... I don't think I'm telling any secrets out of school when I say we've had a fractured relationship with 10 and we've gone to them for a lot of stories and they will just ignore our requests. Having said that, they did come back to us this time. We didn't actually do a story on the website. We had talked about it on the podcast. We probably jumped the gun and should have waited for the following episode. But you know what? It is what it is. And as I say, we don't always get replies, so I'm not going to sit here waiting. Having said that, it's been an interesting week because we've um, we've built, I feel, built some bridges with 10. So I've had good communications with them and hopefully that bodes well for, our, for the future. So we own the mistake, we pick ourselves up, we dust ourselves off and we move forward. Mulk. Perhaps, uh, Rob, with those rebuilt bridges, we can encourage them to actually publish the source as a part of the comment as they're meant to do based on an agreement made between Twitter, Facebook and the uh, media organisations. Since you built a bridge, does this mean that I can audition for NCIS Sydney now? Don't know that we've gone that far, Sarah. (laughs) Don't know that we've gone that far. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Enemies became friends on Saturday night when all three commercial networks teamed up for a good old-fashioned telethon. A galaxy of stars came together to rake in over $25 million for flood relief. Even though it was a simulcast, the Nine Network was the clear winner in the ratings with 238,000 people watching, Seven attracted 181,000 and Ten had 121,000. One of the big moments was, of course, this kiss between Ben Fordham and Grant Denyer. And we also just had a pledge just coming a little earlier from another major Australian corporation that said they will donate $50,000 if I hash Fordo. Ah! Look at this! <laughs> wow! Get off me! Oh my god! <laughs> wow! It was actually the moment of the night. Now, it's not the first time a telethon has produced a special kiss. Rove and Bert puckered up for the 2004 Tsunami Telethon and our favourite, John O'Coleman, kissed Tina Bursill at the 1984 ATV Channel 10 Melbourne Deafness Telethon. Now, telethons are always synonymous with Aussie TV, aren't they, Robbo? What did you think of this one? 
I, I watched a little bit of this, Rob, and I just thought it missed those moments. And I know that you tweeted about the same thing and we were absolutely on the same I page I think I was here. on a Twitter rant. Yeah, exactly. But I, I was supporting you on this. Uh, shows like that need to have that idea of anything can happen, anything can go wrong, and that's why we're watching. We know how telethons work. Uh, we hear about the the donations made on the phone. We we hear about the corporate donations. What we want to see are those moments that are just not scripted, just happen, because it, it's it's almost like this wonderful time where different species from different ecosystems, i.e. different networks, come together. What would happen if, say, for example, Grant Denyer and Ben Fordham come together. What worries me for this telethon is it was overly produced. I think you've mentioned the same thing, Rob, so we might have the same things to say. Uh, and for this one especially, we never found out who the donor was between uh, Grant oh, Denyer and Ben Fordham. Oh, I don't mind that. If they made that up, I don't care. It needed I, something. It did need something, and that's right. So I'm thinking, though, later in the night they finally realised that, oh, hang on a minute, we need moments that really make telethons and we haven't had one, so let's make one up. And that was the problem. Um, and I, I think that was a real real miss for the night. We had all of these amazing people come together. It was so staged, so overly produced that we really have no moments to speak of except mm. for the ones that are clearly manufactured. So I thought that was a bit of a miss. It was, of course, great to raise $25 million for the flood relief, but we, we missed those amazing telethons telethon moments that we would, uh, you know, want to come back and see again. Well, Robert, one of the biggest problems here was the simple fact it wasn't produced by someone who knows variety, someone who knows how to build a show and do a great job getting the client sponsors, the, the, the sponsorship and having the money in the bank. I mean, I reckon they had $22 million to go before they went to wear uh, and just pasted out throughout the night. That's my take. Um what was disappointing about this is it didn't have the variety. It, 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 was a, it was such a bad production. You know, what I will say is there were a lot of people, a lot of viewers who were donating, but apparently there were the same number of people calling Lifeline wanting to kill themselves, Mark, because they would rather do that than watch this piece of shit television. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm not sure we can confirm that allegation, Rob, but uh, <laughs> there were certainly not many people watching. Now, I, I, I want to preface this by saying that the intent of the evening was to raise money for the New South Wales, Queensland flood victims, yep. and they did that, over yep. $25 million worth of relief. Um, to that end, ratings are uh, much of a muchness. You know, it's really just uh, a, an opportunity for pundits like us to make a call of which network is the most popular or whatever. Sorry, whatever. Can, can I jump in, Mark, and just ask sure. you a follow-up question? Because I understand money is the most important thing in a, in, a, in a cause like this, which is fantastic. If it was a better production, could it not have raised more money? Also, next time they want to do something like this, will sponsors, potential clients, potential corporations think, I didn't really get my money's worth. I put 100 grand on the table and I got, you know, on three networks to only get, what was it, 700 and something thousand viewers nationally. That is a pitiful result for three networks simulcasting. This is a disaster outside of the money, yes. which we all agree was great, but outside of the money, this was a disaster. 
it, it could have been entirely pre-recorded and no one would have known the difference. Yeah. And that in itself is the problem of a live event. You want it to feel like there's energy. And I acknowledge that it was put together reasonably quickly, so audience no, COVID. No, no, no. So, Millions can, of telethons have been put together quickly. Can I, can I say and, one and thing? In less time and have done a better job. You, yeah. Under can't COVID conditions where we um, want to make sure that everybody is safe, we've never had to do that. So I acknowledge that trying to get a studio audience into nine North Sydney studios and do it in a way that keeps everybody safe was not going to happen in the short time that's frame that producing. they had. That's called producing. Nuh-uh, yeah. that's called producing. Was not going to happen in the Bullshit. time frame that they had. No. Beyond that, I will say that it went way too long, two hours over time, and even in – it's not like that two hours brought anything other than, oh, hell, we've got to put these pre-recorded – or this live cross to Delta in, and we've got to get these um, donations in so to make oh. sure that we're meeting those particular agreements with those donors. I was gobsmacked that the state governments were giving money to a Red Cross appeal when they're the ones that should be fucking fixing it. Um, <laughs> it's outrageous that yeah. this is the links we have. It's up there with Peter Dutton starting a GoFundMe, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> for the people in his electorate to raise money for things that his government could fix. Um, the the real difficulty is that it was, on the whole, boring. I thought it was at best 1970s boorish. I mean, Denya and, and Ben kissing as the highlight means that that was the lowest thing that we've seen on television in possibly 10 years. Um, it, it was the biggest crime. It wasn't entertaining. Yes. See, 100%. whereas... Larry Emder's Instagram posts about said event were hilarious because he talks about punching people in the dick and ripping people's hair out. So maybe if they just let him produce the show and actually be like <laughs> who he is on Instagram, it would have been great. Hundred percent. And Philip, it was really like watching. Seriously, at times I thought I was watching an old episode of Video Hits because they just kept going to pre-recorded concerts. Oh, look, I thought it was boring as batshit, but I only watched a very small amount of it. I think like most Australians, I was on a streaming service because we were. But you gave it a go. Here's the here's the rub. You gave it a go, just like I believe a lot of, I think their reach would have been through the roof. I reckon a lot of Australians gave it a go and went, oh, Jesus, maybe I'll give 20 bucks, but this is crap. Yeah, you had a lot of big personalities that could have clashed in a fun way. You know, it's not. It's not hard to envisage it being a lot more interesting and a lot more successful visually than what it was. And I agree with you, Phil. I think that there are a lot of people who were on the ground making it or trying to make it a really great production. The problem was is that I think overall that the top levels of producers now that we've got in the industry are just not willing to let things happen. They're not willing to let amazing moments happen or just to let you know, to see if something can happen, that's the problem with what we've got now for these major big events. There are producers on the bottom who thinks that things can happen and they want things to happen. They're not allowed for them to happen and that's the real sad moment of telethons. And the simple fact is it should have been produced by a breakfast TV uh, executive because they're the one, they're the only ones that come anywhere close to live variety on this in this nation. All right. They were the star signings of the 2019 TV season, but now former MasterChef judges Matt Preston and Gary Meehan have quietly left Channel 7 after the network failed to renew their contracts. The Australian reports the pair were on around $2 million each for two years, which saw them host the ill-fated Plate of Origin. Seven did not wish to provide a comment when contacted by news.com.au. Aaron, 
No surprises here, really, is there? Yeah, I mean, why would you pay the, pay pay them if they don't have a show? I mean, you know, um, you know, millions of dollars there, and they they just don't have a have a anything for them at the moment, so they're off the market. Simple as that. Mm. Interesting that Seven didn't want to confirm it, even though it's factual. We saw Matt Preston on Gogglebox, uh, Celebrity Gogglebox, the other week. Uh, but the simple fact is, is it because it's a reminder of a bad program? You know, the network's moved on. They're doing a lot of better stuff. It, it is what it is. They gave it a go. It didn't make it. Yeah, they may be also be wanting to talk to them in the future about, you know, programs you know, program by program, as opposed to a a full contract with a network. So they may be part of, um, you know, my kitchen rules. You never know um, later no. in the year, or or part of something else with the network. So they don't want to just say, you know, they're off the board at seven because they may be um, negotiating with them in the future about something else. Mm. Well, it's the end of an era for ABC News with Sally Neighbour saying goodbye to Auntie. From being an overseas correspondent to presenting Lateline and most recently as the executive producer of Four Corners, Neighbour has been at the forefront of some of the biggest stories in news and current affairs. Uh, Philip, Sally has certainly been a force to be reckoned with. Do you think any of the commercial networks would be brave enough to take her on? Oh, look, I, I don't know the answer to that question, Rob, but I think Four Corners is still a, an incredibly strong program. Uh, even even what they put there this week was, you know, it's got everyone talking, and I can't remember what the people are called, the guardianship board or whatever. Um, uh, you know, it's a new it's a news making program, and I think that's what the ABC needs. Whether it could translate to a commercial network, I'm not sure. She has stood up to a lot of political pressure, especially over the last 12 months. And you've got to admire someone who can take that level of scrutiny as the executive producer. She wasn't even presenting. She was the decision maker, but she's ruffled a lot of feathers and she stood her ground and you've got to admire that. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's it would be an incredibly stressful role. So I'm not sure, have they announced uh, her replacement? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, well, that person will be in the firing line, as we both know. And I agree with you there, Phil. I think that the person who helms Four Corners needs to be as strong as Sally Neighbour has been for the past seven years. Otherwise, that program doesn't work the way it's meant to. And I think that whoever they get for the next role needs to be someone who is strong, who who has that kind of fearless mentality of bringing those stories to uh, to the screen. Yeah, I think, you you know, with the coalition government, you're under enormous pressure and a perception that there's a left bias at the ABC. So it, it, it's a difficult thing to combat for whoever walks into that role. Mm. The important thing, Rob uh, and, and Phil, I think, is to recognise that everybody needs good neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Barry Indeed. <laughs> neighbours are being cancelled all over the place. Sally neighbours out, neighbours is gone. Jeez. <laughs> Hope you haven't got neighbour in your title, otherwise you are out of Australian TV. All Welcome right. to the Comedy Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, Tish. Uh, actually, that probably goes down as one of the... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I think so. All right. To the ratings race in tennis showing some signs of life with the return of Gogglebox, which attracted 575,000 viewers. Australian Survivor and The Doghouse Australia are both sitting between four and 500,000 viewers each episode. Over on Auntie, while their Wednesday night lineup of Hard Quiz and Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell continues to sustain a healthy audience, Q&A dropped to just 175,000 viewers, its lowest number ever, and lower than today, Sunrise and ABC News Breakfast. Wow. All right. It was a new week. Uh, Would I lie to you, Australia is now down to 316,000 viewers for episode three. Now, to be fair, that's nearly level with Labria on nine and miles ahead of The Amazing Race on seven. But for a new show that's local and it's sitting in the having have you been paying attention time slot, you can't imagine 10 would be happy with those declining ratings from week one. Mulk, has there been any surprises for you on last week's numbers? Uh, full congratulations to 10 because Survivor finally ticked over the 500,000 mark. Last night it did 501,000 viewers, Five City Metro. Is that what we celebrate now? (laughs) Well, mate, for them, a flagship primetime program to finally make it over 500,000 viewers, Mm. uh, we have to acknowledge that it is up against the strongest show in television right now. Meredith Philstein is smashing it. Um, And even on a, dare I call it a soft night, did 900 and something, whatever it was, um, on Monday. I think the difficulty for... All the networks is that they're post 7.30 programming at 8.30, 9.03, whatever comes in there. Generally speaking at the moment, it's weak across the board. You know, we could say, except for Gogglebox, and it's about to face its first test with the AFL starting this week. So all of that will really be in a bit of a mix anyhow. I, I think at the moment it's just merit at first sight and everything in its rearview mirror, everything. I've got to say, I broke my rule. You know I like to, if I watch something, I watch every episode. The promos got me in for Married at First Sight, Aaron. I watched Sunday night's episode. I was not let down as a viewer. That was amazing TV and deserved the numbers it got. Oh, of course it did. And it is. You you could only say that it's a juggernaut now and it's doing super well in total TV. Um, Don't jinx it, juggernaut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but as you said, Gogglebox returned well, and First Dates Australia has actually been rising for each episode, which is, uh, you know, a bit different for some shows. They normally sort of decline over time. That's actually rising each week. Um, if we're talking about Q&A, are we allowed to have a mention about Q&A now? Oh, go for it, my friend. No, go for it. I actually just want to say I really like Stan Grant, so I, I don't want to pick on him. And then I have to add, however. LAUGHTER <laughs> I think he forgets that he's just the facilitator of audience question. He asks his own questions, and they are sometimes like full-on monologues. Like, he just goes on and on. Mm. Now, I wasn't on last week's podcast, um, and so I've had two weeks of reflection, and it, and it was absolutely mm. wrong, wrong, wrong for, for them to kick that guy out of the audience. I mean, Monk yep. was 100% right that... They do have pre-planned questions. He didn't read it properly off the card. But it was a teaching moment, something that we could have all learnt from. The panel handled it really well. And we, yeah. and we, have, to be, we have to show that we're not afraid to tackle any issue that comes. But I just the show's turned – I've watched the show forever, like for, for a decade or more. Um, 
it's too preachy. There are too many specials. Like, like there's the writers special, the science special, the climate special. This is supposed to be about everyday Australians that get to put questions to their leaders and to and to experts, um, and for them to answer their questions about the topics that they want to talk about. It should be about the audience setting the agenda, not Q and A setting the agenda. And I think it's oh, just gone yes. off the rails. And, and this is what I was saying last week, Aaron, exactly that. Q&A should be that kind of program that has those discussions and they don't have it anymore. And I think that reflects in the numbers they're getting. They don't have those discussions because they're living in a confirmation bubble where you're not allowed to ask a question that might make anybody well, uncomfortable. And if you correct, Sarah, yep. otherwise yep. you'll get kicked out. 100%. I agree. Yep. <laughs> Go on, Mark. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure we need to rehash all of this no, that we discussed we at length last week. Um, I, I agree that Q&A is, is a, an absolute shade of its former self. Um, there is no way that it's anywhere near what it has been. <sighs> the, the ratings last week confirmed that it's really almost killed the goose that laid the golden egg. Because for some time, Q&A was the premier show that our politicians wanted to appear on. Um, and mm. the, the challenge now is, and I don't, trying to work out which is the chicken and which is the egg and this is going to be difficult. We, the current Prime Minister will not appear on Q&A, will not appear on Q&A. Um, Why so you can do six minutes on Sunrise and get much and get access to more Australians? Well, even, even beyond the ratings, even when it was doing okay, the current PM will not appear on Q&A. Um, and even now, most of his cabinet will not appear on Q&A. So all of a sudden, when you're trying to ask questions of politicians and the government won't send the actual people who are responsible for those portfolios to answer the questions, what's the point? Yeah, but you know what? Those kind of boycotts will happen when it's perceived the show has a certain agenda. Sure. But ultimately, the power of Q&A always won out. The fact is, this has the stench of death. The flesh is peeling off. And we are watching this thing slowly die in the corner of the room and no one's even watching. They can smell it a mile away and they're avoiding it, but they're not looking at it. And my question to the panel is, is it dead? There's no way this show can come back next year, is there? And and also, did I miss a memo? Is Stan Grant the permanent host now? No, Virginia Trelli still steps in and who's the third? David Spears has done one. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, but, but it's been Grant for a few weeks now. It sure has. Mm. All right. Is it dead? Well, I think the ABC are treating it like it's dead, you know, not appointing a host, <laughs> changing the time slot. Mm. You know, they're doing nothing to encourage us to watch it, are they? No. I they're not I, helping themselves. I don't think it's dead if they do change it. They do, all they need to do is put it back to where it was and just have, like, the politicians on the show, one host, and just have the audience um, dictate what the questions will be, what the, what the topics will be. And it's, it's actually really simple to turn it around if they want to. Well, I think there's a bit of a furphy in there because we have to acknowledge the show was starting to waver while it was still at 9.30 on Mondays, and that's because of the direction they've taken it in. But but can we have Q&A back as what it is originally meant to be? And and like you were saying before, Rob, where it is a, a format for people to ask questions, and I think that should be whether they're from the left or the right or in the middle. It doesn't matter where they're on the spectrum. That's where you'll get a classic Q&A back, a quality program mm-hmm. back when we see questions and answers from all sides of the political spectrum. But also, why are questions being vetted? Like, you got a question, you ask that panel. I, I don't understand this whole, 
oh, no, you were going to submit yeah. your question. We're going to rewrite your question, submit it again. Oh, you've got to read it out as per. The, the In the old days, I thought the whole point of the card was so that you had an idea in your yeah. head. They asked you to write it down. It wasn't this whole vetting process. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's always been that way. But Jesus Christ, grow some balls, ABC, and just let people ask questions. I think we'll take that as a comment, Rob. Um, I can tell you from the very, <laughs> I can tell you from the very beginning that the questions are always vetted in no small part because I wanted to ensure that there was no nothing defamatory said. Well, defamation is obviously a thing. And that's fair. All right. It was the show that was hated before it even aired a frame. But have we been too hard on Netflix's Byron Bay's? I'm going to open this up because turn alert, turn alert. Turn alert. I could not make it through the whole episode. Robbo! Okay, so I put myself through it and I watched the start of the episode. Now, I understand... Do you hate yourself, Robbo? I do hate myself and I hate myself (laughs) more for it. Uh, The thing is, I I saw somewhere where the head of Netflix Australia said, thank you to someone who gave uh, a review of it, that they got it. They said, thank you for getting it. Oh, that was an amazing... That's that was not amazing the po- because it was the one review that got that got it. Yeah. And the rest of us are stupid in Australia because we don't get it. But that's not the problem. So we understand the format. So the format is nothing new. We've had it for years and years and years, that kind of format, like the hills and things like that. No, the Robert, prob- this is high art. No, this I understand. Is high art. The problem here is the casting. No one is interesting. So I'm happy to watch this kind of program. I, I understand the way the format works. I'm all for it. That's fantastic. And there is a place for it on television. The sure. problem here is that the people who were cast are nobodies, they are nothing, and they are not interesting. <laughs> I couldn't tell the difference between the, the males and the females or anyone on this program, and that is the problem. Also, the, the, the fake kind of drama that you can clearly see they're trying to create is also a problem. So it's not that we don't get it. It's not that we don't understand it. We get it and understand it, and that's the problem because it doesn't work with this cast and the way it's been produced. If they had just called it Byron Bitches and gotten it over with, we may have enjoyed the show more. But, like, I watched the first two episodes and I was, like, not going to put Matt through anymore because I'm like, look, I'm going to take one for the Black Box team. I'm going to suck it up and watch this. (laughs) And I watched two episodes and then the next night, he must have been mad at me because he puts it back on for a third episode. And I looked at him like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, He Come gets on. it. You don't get it, Sarah. You, he, don't, yeah. you don't get it. So yeah. he left um, to go to Austin today, and so I was doing other stuff, and I'm like, well, let me put it on in the background. And I actually made it through all the episodes, and I do hate but myself. But were you awake? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like cooking and doing, you know, other things, but it was like. Oh, so it's the kind of t- it's good TV if you're not actually watching it, <laughs> right? If you just have it in the background and occasionally you look up and you're like, I can't tell the difference between. Yes, like they're all, um, except occasionally, like there's the guy with the fish lips who, like, he talks like this the whole time, and I don't really know what's happening with his face. Um, we totally need to do this as a visual medium. Okay. Oh, we've got a fan here, everyone. <laughs> we've got the president of the fan club like, joining us live I, here. And then, and then all of can the I women with the really high-pitched voices. No, you can't. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, yeah. So Netflix Australia is going local, which is a fantastic mm. thing. There are local executives trying to make their mark. Um, 
I think there has been a good commission with the Trent Dalton series that's just been commissioned. But I will be honest, I've been very sceptical about Byron Bays and Heartbreak High. Now, how much pressure do you think there are on local executives about what they're commissioning and how they perform? Well, I I think there would be a lot of pressure to make something internationally appealing. Obviously, that's where Netflix can generate a lot of income. On the surface, this show should have been internationally appealing. Byron Bay, beautiful. You know, you've got the Mm. location as one of the main characters. And, look, I have a confession to make after saying I'd rather drink my own sick than watch it. I have watched three episodes and I didn't hate it as much as you all led me to believe I would. I didn't like it. No, no. (laughs) I think they've got the next billboard campaign. You won't hate it as much as you think you will. I needed subtitles probably for a few of the people. I agree. Like with those big lips, it's quite hard to understand what they're saying. Uh, And You know, I I don't know. Clickbait, that was a locally produced Netflix movie, wasn't it? I I thought that was awful. And I know a lot of people liked it and it found some success. So... I don't know whether I'm answering your question, but I think there's a, there's enormous pressure on any television executive to get ratings, to make a project work. Yeah, I think we've seen a bit of social media activity that indicates the pressure being felt, to be My honest. feeling with Netflix is that they rush everything. They don't seem to be the same production values as you would see on other networks, other production houses, that everything, it, you know, I mentioned that movie Clickbait. It seemed very rushed. The script editing seemed poor and rushed you know i just think that mm. they there's a lot of pressure to churn it out fast i think with netflix in in i don't know if you guys have it in australia but when we open netflix here in the u.s and you know how you can scroll through like horror comedy blah 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 we yeah. actually have an entire section that is australian movies and television and right. so it just like i can scroll through netflix which is why we love it and also it's the only thing that really works at the ranch um but it it you can actually see like kath and kim it's got the original heartbreak high it's got like mermaid shows it's got all kinds of stuff but it is interesting that we have an entire australian section and um not all of it is good. <laughs> this is not de- defence of the show at all because it is it is bad. But some of the reviews I well, if anyone was going to like it, it'd be Aaron. No, it's, <laughs> no, definitely not. But but wow. some of the, no, it's not. Wow, he's right. You know, I do watch Love Island, Fuckboy Island, Temptation Island, any of the islands that you can get. So you know that probably was going to be appealing to me. But, but I mean, I, I just have to say some of the reviews that I've seen about it are from people that clearly would never watch that show. I mean, Rob, you're one of yeah. them. You don't, you don't watch Love uh, Island. But I, or, I admit that, or, and or, I haven't reviewed it. I've just I've given an opinion, but I've been very clear. This isn't my kind of show. I just, you know, I wonder if there was a new show coming to Australia called Pretend It Never Existed called Antiques Roadshow, and and they and they got and they got they got me to review it. It would just be like this is crap. But I'm just not the person that would be watching that show. So I wonder if the people that would watch those type of shows actually did enjoy that show or not. No, or no, no. Was, Celebrity Roadshow really, the, the really does suck. But Aaron, <laughs> you are one of those potential viewers, and it doesn't sound like you did. And let's be honest. I've been keeping an eye on the top 10 trending in Australia and I think it's been sitting around number six. I do wonder whether that's been inflated, but I don't know that. But certainly hasn't been at number one, which you would think a local production being pushed heavily, getting lots of press, 
would actually be in the number one slot. Well, but to be fair, that guy's lips did rate number three on Twitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. The streaming wars continue with Mickey preparing to start the next battle. Disney Plus is preparing to launch an ad-supported model of their service. It will still have a membership fee, but be less than the current $11.99 per month. It's expected to be offered sometime in 2023. The Mouse House is hoping the new level will help it achieve its wish to have between 230 and 260 million subscribers by the 2024 financial year. Um, Malk? I think this is a good option for people who might jump into the streaming service to try it out if they pay less and get ads. There is absolutely uh, no way that Disney would think this is not going to work because they would have absolutely done a whole bunch of homework around this before they even floated the idea. Um, I I know for sure that there are similar services in the US, Hulu and et cetera, that follow a similar model and do okay out of it. And they managed to actually score some subscriptions out of it subsequently. So the interesting thing will be to see how it rolls out in a global context uh, to see what that looks like um, and, and what kind of ads they roll out because straight away we, we've got the preeminent views when it comes to things like SBS On Demand and 7 Plus and 9 Now and all of the rest of them showing us the same ad oh, every ad yes. break. That bloody um, Telstra ad. You're going to need a bigger library of ads before you mm. launch it. That's for damn sure. The beauty of streaming services for me is that I don't ever have to see an ad. So uh, I won't be signing up mm. for it. And 800%. I just don't really understand why anyone would. I get it that it's going to be less money, but surely the biggest selling point of streaming services is that they have unique product and you don't ever have to see an ad. I agree with that. And so I will tell you something. I will be very upset if Netflix and the like are taking my money and start putting ads in there. Hulu and the original was if you paid like the $5 a month or whatever, there was no ads. And then they switched to, they started having ads um, and you had to go to a, like a higher thing to not get the ads. And so a lot mm. of them in the U S have done that. They've started with the whole, you know, you can either have it free or with the ads or pay and not have ads. And then all of a sudden the paying ones started having ads, which just pissed me off. Oh, absolutely. And just by the way, guess, guess who owns Hulu? Disney. <laughs> Valid point. Valid point. The only thing I was going to say on this, and this is probably one of those blonde moments or something, but I, I don't get it. I feel like 12 bucks is cheap. Like that's three bucks a week. I mean, it's all of a sudden all these people, oh, I really wanted Disney Plus, but I can't afford it. But now that it's, say, five bucks, I could afford it. The only thing because that's. Because li- you have disposable income. No, but the thing that's likely to happen is the people that are paying 12 bucks are going, you know, I don't mind ads. And they're actually going to drop from 12 bucks to five bucks. They're actually going to lose money. There's no, going to be, I don't there, think so. There's going to be more I people think... reversing than people. No. That, really? I think people will jump in at five bucks, try it out, and then go, Jesus, I'm sick of these ads. Let's just. It's good content. I can watch my Marvel movies. Let's upgrade to twelve ninety nine or whatever I, it is. I pay for YouTube so as a subscription so that I don't have to watch ads because when I got rid of it and went back to ads, I could not handle it, and now I just pay YouTube to not have ads. Yeah. That's it. And don't forget, Aaron, in the context, it's not Disney Plus in isolation. It's Disney Plus, Netflix, and in our cases, Stan, throw in Prime mm. Video, maybe a Hey You or something else. All of that's binge. All of that stuff adds up. So if you're someone that wants to have access to everything, 
for one of them to say, we'll offer you a cheaper version that's, you know, ads included, people might go, great, that's a benefit to me. And we, we know that those networks, those services aren't going to say, oh, we'll happily take a loss if our whole subscription base dumps paying us 12 bucks a month to go to a 5 buck a month ad-supported version. Who's paying for the ads, right? They know they're going to make cash out of this, no matter which way it flies. I just feel that if I had a lot of different, like wanted a lot of different streamers and only had, for example, Disney Plus and, say, Amazon, I would go, oh, now that they're offering the $5 special, I'll, I'll actually drop my Disney to 5 bucks and then pay for, a, for another streamer like, you know, Netflix or something. I mean, I'd, sure. I'd be more inclined to drop, drop back the money and then invest in another streamer. Yeah, I mean, I, sure. I don't think most will take that route, but fair enough. All right, coming up, Sarah will have the hatches and dispatches, including news on the project, and then we'll open up the TV binge box right here on TV Black Box, the podcast. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches. Network 10's The Project is hitting the road, taking the show to Western Australia. It'll be the first time since the pandemic began that the current affair show has left its studio in Melbourne. The whole gang is heading west with Lisa Wilkinson starting the week from Broome. The special broadcast begins from the 21st of March. Former TV star Andrew O'Keefe has pleaded not guilty in his latest brush with the law. Assault and choke charges have been laid against O'Keefe following an alleged incident against a woman in January of this year. He's also had a bail application rejected. His case will be back before a magistrate in July. Seven's horse racing commentary team just added another thoroughbred to its stable. Fan and equine favourite Lizzie Jelks will join Bruce McAvaney to bring the excitement of the races to the small screen. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Back to you, Rob. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. All right, it's time to <coughs> open the TV binge box <laughs> and find out what everyone has been watching this week. Aaron Ryan, let's start with you. Well, since I wasn't here last week, I've um, I've had two weeks worth of shows, but I'll only mention a, a few. Night um, says keep it tight. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Jeez, <laughs> keep that one in. Oh, I watched the um. Oh, that's terrible. The uh, series um, more than this. It's on Paramount Plus. It's it's a bit like Skins and Euphoria. Um, it's an Australian drama. Explores the real lives of five seventeen year old teenage students and their teacher when they when they will join in a classroom sort of thing. Yeah, you know, it had all the elements of those other shows, but unfortunately, it didn't hit the mark for me. Um, so yeah, not so great. Uh, the Last Kingdom on Netflix, the fifth and final season. Um, there will be a follow-up movie. I've watched the whole season. It is fantastic. So Uhtred's back. If you're a fan of the show, then this final season will not disappoint. Uh, I took one of Sarah's suggestions and watched Reacher on um, Prime Video. Now, Sarah was absolutely correct. That guy is 
hot. Yes. Like, Finally fact, something with eye candy for women. Or men, whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> he was that hot that my friend who is straight has now got a, a male crush on this guy. Bloody hell. He, that is, anyway, he's also a and great series. And he gets series. down to just his, like, he takes it all off. All off. Yeah. It is actually based on the Jack Reacher movies. It is actually a, a good film. But, yes, he does get it off. Oh, just the thought of it. It was so good. I'm glad I had Sarah, to watch it with you know, my in-laws. That it was one. very um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, of, and, and, of course, the uh, I've been watching SAS. I think the episode airing tonight, so that's Tuesday the 15th of March, is one of the best. I know that some people prefer to watch the censored version because it's a little more palatable, I guess. Um but this show is not about being it's, – it's about being uncomfortable. Um, it's taking things to a new level. It's about pressure, courage, determination. It's really, really good. Um, but I must say, if you're watching the uncensored version, he – one of the um, – there's – one of the celebrities is going really slow up a hill and, and not keeping up. And so the DS says to him, my grandmother fucks faster than you <laughs> and they're dead. <laughs> Oh, oh whoa! God. Wow, bloody hell! That's that's a good line, but there you go. <laughs> How does he know? <laughs> I have no idea. Nice, it's creepy, comment. but uh, all right. Um, just decide. No, I won't. Uh, okay, Sarah, what have you been watching besides half-naked men with your in-laws with moving blankets? Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> blanket moving so much, Dal. Over your yeah. <laughs> Uh, I watched The Adam Project with Ryan Reynolds um, on, I think it was on Netflix, and uh, we saw oh, Top Gun. great movie! It was so good, so good. And yeah. then um, the original Top Gun, back when Tom Cruise, well, he had, like, the monobrow and the teeth, but still I could see the sex appeal back then. <laughs> like, I was like, I actually understand why he was so sexy, and then he went crazy. Um of course, the Byron Bitches, um, and a movie called St. Vincent with Bill Murray, which was old. And then in regular television watching, uh, NCIS Hawaii. <laughs> I've been watching that. Um, it's the locate. I think it'll be like Sydney where the location is amazing and everyone's watching for the scenery and the acting. And like, I yeah. made fun, like when I did my NCIS down under video and i made the breaking bad reference i had not seen ncis hawaii yet and there's actually a breaking bad episode (laughs) 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 but it'll be it'll be like whatever byron bays takes away from australian tourism ncis will bring back so hopefully they cancel each other out and then also um (laughs) the grand tour uh with clarkson may and hammond because i used to i just i really like fast cars Robo. <laughs> 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 thank you, uh, thank you, Rob. Uh, what what I've been watching is a bit of a Gillian Anderson marathon. I've been watching oh, Sex Education on show. Netflix, which is a brilliant show. I love this. Oh, yeah. I just keep binging it, and also the last two kind of new i know i'm a quite a few years behind but the new seasons of the x files i've been watching them they are fantastic Gillian anderson i really have been reminded why that woman was on my wall when i was a teenager did you watch her in the crown beautiful shows yeah loved her in that too also loved her in the great when she fell out of the window oops spoiler alert uh and uh a wonderful wonderful actress Gillian anderson that's where i've been watching guys monkey 
Thanks, Rob. I've been watching a fair bit. Most of it has been um, kind of focused all over the place. But Married at First Sight has had a lot of my attention, uh, with good reason. It's just ball-tearing. Um, it's not going to win any Nobel Prizes, but it's bloody amazing TV. Um, I have been enjoying The Usuals, The Circus, last week, tonight. All of that stuff has been um, spectacular. I'm hanging in there with Australian Survivor, uh, and and I, I just want to reflect. Last week, Maddie said that he was disappointed that he felt that the editing was kind of signalling who was hanging around. Now that he said that, I, I'm with him. I think it's it's kind of they're just focusing on the people who are going to go. Yeah, it's it, which is a disappointment because it's been a really great series. Um, Billions is hitting mm. its stride, and I cannot wait to see how this season plays out. So stoked that's got another season. That is on Stan, BT Dubs. The two that I really want to speak about um, in the good category, actually, let's go with the bad category first. I watched every episode of Byron Bay's, and I, I said up front, it's going to be trash. Spoiler alert, it's trash. Um, just to add on to the conversation you guys had before, there are very few redeeming features about that TV program. Um, and yet... The person that seems to be uh, promoting it and doing the best they can, funnily enough, is the person who commissioned it. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out for them <laughs> but, but in their Malky, career. Malky, it, it could be good trash. There are there, there are versions be. of good trash, and it just it, it wasn't that. I love this kind of trash TV, but they've they've picked the wrong garbage. Am I right? Oh, Robbo, I hoped it would be as trashy as The Real Housewives, and unfortunately, yeah. it's made The Real Housewives look like they are about to win <laughs> Nobel Prizes. Um, it, it's Very it's true. just not even great, and even down to some of these great sweeping shots of Byron that then mm. you never see any of Byron again. It could be filmed on a backlot <laughs> after yeah. that point, you know, yeah. um, establishing Very shots of hoy. So, I mean, watch it at your peril. The thing I'm really amazed <laughs> Sorry, about... can I make one <laughs> observation, Mark? Yes. On Byron Bay's... Interesting creative choice mm-hmm. to start off with a clapperboard. Yep. Because the idea of reality TV is even though we know a lot of it's fake, you want to feel that it's actually in some ways real. Yeah. The idea of starting the opening four seconds of the show with a clapperboard doing its thing just made me feel like, oh, this is complete bullshit. This is complete uh, and utter um Make believe, not real, and it's not even good real. Yeah. Well, all all it does is feed into the notion that there is reality television, and there is reality television, Mm. Mm. which isn't a win, right? It's not. It's not good enough, quite frankly. Um, In the good category, to wash away the badness, starting this (laughs) week on Apple TV Plus is a series called We Crashed. Now, I will tell you that I don't like Jared Leto in anything. The guy cannot act. He's offensive. And you hear about his antics off screen um, in the way he does his method. Um, and quite frankly, I'm surprised he doesn't have more charges brought against him. Leto and Anne Hathaway star in this as the couple who were responsible for, ultimately it was his idea, but the couple responsible for a business called WeWork, which oh. was designed to transform the uh, um like the casual, you know, I want to hire a desk for a day kind of vibe, um, you know, where, where people work and those sorts of things. It is eight episodes of how he took an idea and as a startup made over a billion, that's with a B, billion dollars. And then snorted it all. Well, just as they were about to launch their IPO on the New York Stock Exchange in 2019, pissed it against a wall. It is amazing to see the ego of these people play out and it's real like current like 
stuff was only tied up and sorted out last year or 2020 um, in the reality of it. So it's based on the story of WeWork. It's called We Crashed. It's a dramatised version of that story. And both Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway are mesmerising in the roles. I could not turn away for just how abhorrent those people were <laughs> and how much they were taking advantage of the situation. It's incredible TV. I think it's a double or triple ep. Kicks off on Apple TV Plus this Friday. Well worth your valuable eyeballs. Okay. Philip? Uh, well, I've been watching um, uh, the Tony Collette thing I was watching last week that's been getting slammed everywhere. Uh, pieces of her. I, I actually watched the whole series and thought it was fantastic, so I'm just defending that still. Made on the Central Coast, Philip? Yes, back on the Central Coast, yes. Uh, also, um, you know, I, I was... Uh, I'm a huge fan of a show called Goliath on Amazon Prime, which doesn't get a lot of chatter in Australia. It's um, starring Billy Bob Thornton. It's, yeah. it's He plays the washed-up lawyer. He said himself that it's probably the character he's played most that's closest to him in real life. And, of course, then I was rocked by William Hurt dying, and he mm. is a pivotal character in Goliath as well. He is the Goliath mm. to Billy Bob Thornton's David. So... Uh, Broadcast News, one of the best films ever, especially for people who'd be listening to this podcast. Yeah. I like him in The Big Chill. Yeah, well, he, well yes. you'll like him in Goliath as well because it's probably yes. it's probably the last role he filmed, I would imagine. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but it certainly would have been one of the last. And, look, I, I've gone back and watched. I started watching the whole series again, but it was Series 4, which ends the series that I watched this time. It's a bit different to the other ones. If you're a fan of the show, you'll absolutely love it. It does feature a lot of dream sequences and almost hallucination sequences. <laughs> yeah. So very Billy Bob Thornton. But for me, it's one of the finest pieces of TV I've ever watched. Okay. Um, I've been I've, – I've left Big Bang Theory to the side. Oh. And now my nightly viewing is Modern Family on Foxtel. In five-minute in five minute grams, and as I'm going to sleep, um, uh, Married at First Sight on Sunday was just the best television. Uh, the Adam Project Snap uh, on Netflix, uh, Sarah Gadget Man on Prime Video. Last week tonight, Snap with you on Foxtel, uh, Steve, and Picard on tri- Prime Video. But the thing I've loved most this week was our good friend Sarah Monahan posted her final episode of Hey Dad Today. I watched it this afternoon and do you know what? It was hard watching because you keep thinking what an arsehole this guy is that you were working with, Sarah. You were so good in that show. And when you look back at what that show was from Australian production, it was literally three sets that they made a half-hour comedy each week it was literally three locations. It wasn't like an American sitcom where you can have six sets or something like that. You literally had a house as the set and the way they devised that show of having the area, the work area, the lounge room and the kitchen, it provided enough variety to be able to keep it interesting. And we loved this show. Let's not forget, it's unfortunate that the actions of this arsehole takes away the great work you did on this show, Sarah, and the other people, and the fact that you had to leave this show, and this was your farewell episode, the fact that you had to leave this show because of the actions of this 
I want to use much harsher language, but you were terrific. You grew up on that show and you, you know, the, the timing of the jokes, your delivery was just so on point. It was just really nice to watch and really see you in that way. And one of the things that also got me was because it was just three sets, each scene had to go for about five minutes. So think about that. In in American sitcoms, how long would a scene last? Two minutes maybe? Yeah. One minute? You know, like it's all snap, snap, snappy, right? But here we had you come through the front door from the lounge room, you walk into the kitchen, you're having this whole story about the fact you're going to boarding school and you're literally there having to remember so much dialogue in one go. And I know there were pickups and flubs and all that kind of stuff, but I just sat there going, you know what, this isn't the pinnacle of television, but it was good Aussie TV for its time. It was enjoyable to watch. I loved it. I used to, I told you just before we came on air how I used to go to the recordings. I used to watch you from the audience. And uh, it was, yeah, it was a nice reminder of what we did achieve. Unfortunately, tarred with bullshit and, and all the other crap. But you should be really proud of what you did in that show. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it, it, I had mixed. I couldn't watch the whole episode. I just, I happened to just see it, and I just, I just kind of watched like the end part. Um, but yeah, I and I just, I, it, I was just like, I. Some days I feel like I don't have emotions anymore. Like I've just suppressed them all, and that actually brought out a lot. And I just had that feeling of like, if I hadn't have left, you know, would I have gone on to continue acting, or would I've been like everyone else, where once a show finished, that you know, just wandered off into oblivion. But yeah, it was. It's kind of sad that that whole show, because it was a really good show of its time, and it's sad that we can no longer watch it because of one person. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the parallels with the Cosby Show mm-hmm. are very much on point. You know, um, those actors have had a big part of their career wiped from the planet because no one will air that show or stream that show anymore because of the history associated with that man and you are in exactly the same position. Yeah. And I'm sorry for that because you deserve better. Um, Okay. Well, thank you anyway. It was a good trip down memory lane, so thank you for posting. It's on YouTube. If you go to Sarah's um, feed on Twitter, which is Shrimp Tank, Tank, you will find it in her her posts. Seriously, go and watch it. And that brings us to the end of TV Black Box. Uh, This episode was written by David Robinson with some assistance by Aaron Ryan. Thank you very much to Mulk, Philip, Aaron, Robbo, and, of course, Sarah. We'll see you next week on the TV Black Box podcast where people in the industry get their news. See you guys. Bye. Back to Rachel. Woo.